My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast with your host, Jason Woodbury. Welcome to another edition of Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. I'm your host, Jason P. Woodbury. Lately, the path I seek has been clouded by the fog of contemporary life, which is why I just dialed 1-866-931-TIME to reach the Cosmic Network, which is, of course, an outgrowth of Gloria de Oliveira and Dean Hurley's new album, Oceans of Time, out this week from Sacred Bones Records. Dean is best known for his work with David Lynch, with whom he has collaborated on sound design, music, and more ever since 2006's Inland Empire. Gloria is a German-Brazilian songwriter and singer, and without ever meeting in person, they fashioned the New Age dream pop epic that is Oceans of Time. Part Cocteau Twins, part Pure Moods, and also entirely its own thing, it's a fantastic recording, and it was a huge treat to get far out with these two, discussing uh, the ways that Lynch influenced the project, the ever-elusive nature of time, and uh, their haunting cover of Jeff Buckley and Elizabeth Frazier's All Flowers in Time. Kind of a controversial choice, and uh, we explain why that's the case. But before we step into that eternally present moment, let me take a quick second to encourage you to support Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions by checking out AD on Patreon. Aquarium Drunkard is an independent outfit, but the servers do require coins to keep humming. So if you enjoy our weekly conversations uh, and the insights that we share on this show, the Patreon page is the best way you can help us keep making it. All right, plug finished. Let's get into it. Here's Dean and Gloria. I had such a great time connecting with them, and I think you're really going to enjoy this listen. Oceans of Time is out this week on Sacred Bones Records. This is Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. Let's get into it. Dean, Gloria, welcome to Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. Um... Oceans of Time has been a lot of fun to listen to. Um, 
Was it a lot of fun to make? Yeah. Gloria, you want to chime in? <laughs> Great answer. Um, yes, it was beautiful to make, actually. Um, it's funny because I, I kept saying this to Dean. Um, we made this over the period of a little more than a year, and so many things happened with the world, but also like in my life, and it was, all, it was always a little like a little respite um, to work on the songs. Yeah, yeah. I love that not only, I mean, the record itself is is fantastic, but it's like you guys built a whole little world around it, I feel like, with the use of, I mean, obviously the videos have been incredible, but all of the sort of like, um, the, the, the sort of pure, pure moods recalling like commercials have been, it's like it's it's so much fun to engage with that side of it to have there be this like I obviously it calls to mind the sort of 90s new age right like the idea of the new age in in that time and my favorite thing about the record is how much of it is built around this idea of time being a sort of substance that could be folded in on itself or overlaid on itself and you know the 90s feel like a million years away uh, they, they they feel so far gone in one sense but then also so present in another and that's like such so anyway i love i love the way that you guys are playing with those aesthetics and the sort of time bending quality of this record obviously you know the pandemic necessitated that you guys didn't even work on this physically together but you hadn't even really had any conversations right it just began as a purely musical back and forth yeah, it, um, I mean, honestly, it has, it really has nothing to do with the pandemic, you know, in terms of our communication, because Gloria's in Germany, I'm, I live in Virginia. Um, and honestly, if there was not a pandemic, I probably would prefer to have worked this way too. sort of a, a pen pal style that I feel like it opens up um a different mode of communication when you're you're actually not um dialoguing in a in a sort of feed you know rapid feedback way so like presenting things and with a conversation and a context and then receiving something back like days or weeks later it's a whole different way of working and that's what um was attractive to me about it and um and I think that uh, different stuff came out as a result of that. And also, um, a a after a while of it going on in that manner, it kind of became like, I don't even think we should speak. You know, we only <laughs> we only spoke on the phone like about a month ago, maybe. Did you say? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what was that like? I mean, after you had created this thing, which is is really beautiful and vivid and a whole like kind of sonic world. Like what's it like actually connecting with each other afterwards? Was it just like pure high five energy? Just like, Hey, we made this thing. It was really cool. Uh, I can't, I can't remember why we, I think we we're just talking. There's something that necessitated, um, you know, like it, would, would you want to hop on the phone to sort of work this out quicker? Yeah. Is that right? Gloria? What, what? Yeah, I think, it was some kind of issue, I think. I, mean, I think none of us is um, 
uh, high five. That's <laughs> not a few levels. <laughs> um, but um, but it's go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Okay. Um, I was going to say, uh, you you mentioned the world building and everything, and that was something we we mentioned very early on. Yeah. And um, and I think honestly, as as a result, that that world when you know two parties are separated and are you know creating something out there without the dialogue back and forth verbally or or in a physical space together it's almost like you're meeting up in another world so it in 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 some sense my sort of like takeaway was it it really helps with the world building and sort of facilitated that and sort of put the focus on that in some regard you know yeah, that's really cool to think about. And I mean, I suppose you've probably both worked in like long, di- have you both, well, let me, I shouldn't assume, have you both worked in sort of like long distance collaboration like this previously? Not not with each other, but with other folks? Nothing this extensive for me. Hmm. No, me neither. But um, I think I usually record myself by myself anyway and if when i collaborate with other people i um send them and then send them my files so it didn't feel um too strange sometimes i would have liked to be in the room with dean when there were certain parts i wasn't sure about um it would have been nice but yeah like dean said i think it helped a little bit because you get to know someone in a different way um by writing long emails almost like letters and not having the constant like sending memes and stuff all the time <laughs> just the constant <laughs> yeah no i know what you mean it's it's uh, the 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 pace of communication between collaborators i mean the pace of communication between everybody has increased so much you know in the last decade or whatever and there it's it's facilitated a lot more those sort of like i was thinking sort of about like I don't know if either of you probably don't have to use like Slack or any of these like productivity things, you know, the, the, um, remote, yeah, remote related things. Yeah. Like remote collaboration and stuff, but it's, it's kind of funny the way like all communication gets filtered into this thing. Right. So you like, you've got people who I'm thinking about my job, you know, you've got people who are just posting funny memes or whatever. And then you've got people asking serious work questions and, so what you're describing is to me it sounds so interesting that 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 like you said by communicating with each other in this really intentional and specific way it it, it sounds like it allowed you both to access a, a sort of creative capacity that maybe uh, being in front of another person it might not even have had you, you you wouldn't have been able to stumble upon that right i mean is that a fair way of sort of describing what you're talking about yeah 100 percent for sure and um yeah who knows what it what it would be like if it was more traditional and i think we even talked about that on the first email like i think laurie said you know how do you want to do this you know yeah sure and, um and i said well you know sometimes when you're you know, I've worked like this with other artists where you're in the same room and you can kind of create a, a, a loop of, you know, 
acting action and reaction and everything and things can happen much quicker and you can kind of tweak and little word play here and there can kind of just totally affect each person's thing but as a result of this it's like you know long distance communication letter writing and not texting back and forth or whatever it's uh i perhaps it's it's it allows the you know the two parties to kind of bring as much of themselves to the to the thing and i don't know i don't even know what uh what to quantify it as but um it it i guess it's in it's in this record you know with the two of us yeah do you remember how you were you when how did you two get introduced and were you already familiar with each other's work yeah um do you want me to take this or do you want to talk about this gloria um I think it's funny because I we only talked about this a couple of weeks ago because I asked uh, how did we even connect because I honestly don't remember <laughs> you just suddenly popped up in my Instagram and it's funny because to me um, the person I know now was split into three different entities there was Hubbly Worldwide on Instagram who because his screen name is Hubbly Worldwide and I don't know I didn't read the the name and then there was this artist called Dean Hurley on, on, on Spotify that was like, I think this one track popped up in some weekly recommendation algorithmic playlist and I really liked it and I kept listening to it. And then there was this third entity that was the sound designer for David Lynch, but I didn't know anything about it. I think I just read a, head, a headline about the third Twin Peaks season, but I didn't, I didn't see it. So these were the three entities, and to me there was no connection. I think only when we started emailing beyond Instagram, I, I suddenly made the connection between the three of you. Yeah. I started, I, I became aware of Gloria just through her visual work, and I think I first reached out to her, if I remember correctly, I first reached out asking her about Super 8 transfers because that's what she was uh, you know, I thought I kind of thought that she was as much a filmmaker, and I and I can't kind of came to the the real realizing that she wrote and recorded her own music too. But I was seeing a lot of images. I think it was a, a super eight video that she shot for another friend, and um, and then I s saw her videos that she directed and. That's what piqued my interest. And probably with like the whole, as you mentioned, the world building thing, it's like, I just think like the the visual media, you know, coming from like, I was in, I went to film school, Gloria went to film school, you know, I've, I've worked in LA for 15 years and coming from that world, just seeing like, I'm just eternally fascinated with the power of music when it's aligned with picture and yeah. synchronized i like just it's crazy that's i feel like that's where these these worlds get built and and to to see over and over and over instances and even inside addition instances of how a song will float you'll hear the song but then once it sort of entangles itself with images and dialogue and film being kind of like the the full sort of cauldron of all the arts you know like mm -hmm. something can happen and it can receive this power where you're like wow that was there all along and 
I didn't hear it when I just heard the song, but now I'm hearing the song differently. And like, I've always been fascinated with that. So like coming to her music and discovering that through the the visual imagery, I think was the thing that was the spark to me of like, uh, you know, having wanting to work with her and wanting to see what kind of music we could come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Gloria, do you remember, uh, I mean, is it is it a similar thing for you? Has the sort of visual and audio, like, has that always felt combined or aligned in, in, in your kind of perception? What was some of the first, like, you know, music slash movie type things that really connected with you? Um, I think, I, I think I, only went to film school or like gravitated towards filmmaking for this reason that a lot of people cite and it's that film seems to combine all these like if you're interested in painting and photography and music then you go to film school then I found out that it's 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 not necessarily like that um necessarily like that um because it's a whole it's it's its own thing filmmaking um but the reason why I, I even went to film school was because I wanted um, access to, yeah, to be able to create these worlds for my for my music that I was that I was um, already producing. And oh yeah, your question. <laughs> um, but immediately, you really, I am immediately thinking of um, Ram Stoker's Dracula. This is one of the moments where I distinctly remember sitting in front of the television um i think i was like 14 or 15 so not a small child but i remember being so drawn into it to it just felt really 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 romantic to me and still to this day i keep thinking about why did it feel so romantic and of course it's the it's everything it's so lush and it's colors it's the soundtrack there's this great song in, um in the end by annie lennox Love song for a vampire. It's great. It has this heartbeat kick drum. Um, yeah, and I think with everything I make, with with my music or the visuals, I think I always strive to capture that. What captured me back then, the sense of romanticism, um, however you define it. Yeah, that's that's one. And I mean, Oceans of Time is a. It's of course a quote from um, that film. I, and I got to point out that um, I sent you a demo, an instrumental demo to write to called Oceans of Time. And you hit me back and said, oh, this is obviously a, a reference to Dracula. And I'd never seen it. So I, I, I watched it at your, you know, um, suggestion. And I was blown away because, number one, like even just like researching that movie, like. I guess it was like Roman Coppola was do like did a lot of like the the practical effects in that movie. And the whole idea was that they wanted to invoke and recreate these sort of practical in camera effects for these movie this movie, and it was just filled with all these sort of like this imagery. It's like the best thing about filmmaking where you have a simple pragmatic solution. There's no CGI. But when it's done, it looks like the most magical thing in the world because it's a magic trick. And then when if you learned out how it was done, it would be perhaps much less magical. But so th 
that that was the spirit and the manner of this movie. And it's a phenomenal movie. Like it's really interesting. And uh, so just getting caught up with that and then realizing the connection of the title, that's sort of how the, the, the project got named later, you know? And, but I, I really like, I think, and Gloria shared her story about, you know, being younger and, and seeing this movie and everything. And I think that's the thing that like started to like fuse the concept for me. Cause I feel like we're all going through life and it's like these, these moments of experiencing something early on or jotting down something or an idea that you had or a person that you met long ago. And it's like, it is sort of like this time travel thing where you're, you can perhaps, especially with like building things or writing things or writing down a song idea here, but it gets used. It finally kind of comes to fruition later of like, oh, this is what it's for. It's like this collapsing of time. It's like you're helping your future self, you know? And I don't yeah. know, that's what, that's where like my brain was going a lot with, with the project of just, just this idea of like this, you know, nonlinear element of time just kind of cascading into itself. And, and it's just like, it's a fucking big concept. I guess, you know? <laughs> no, absolutely. I want, before I touch on that, I do want to note just for the listeners, cause we don't use the video, the zoom video doesn't, you know, we don't use that, but as soon as, as okay. soon as Gloria started talking about Dracula, the light went out in her, uh, in, in her space. And I thought to myself, well, that's cool. Like we're talking about vampires and all of a sudden it's dark now. Um, so that is that, but then on that, kind of cosmic tip that you're talking about Dean it's so funny I recently wrote a note to myself like stop using the word cosmic in your writing because (laughs) because I had decided that it had become perhaps a catch-all word for me where I dumped a lot of stuff that I wanted to try to focus in on a little bit more so now we're talking about this record which um I it is a cosmic record absolutely like these are cosmic concepts and tones that you're playing with and i one of the things that i thought was really cool about it and it's like dean obviously you've you're known for your work with david lynch and uh something that i thought that was really both of you bring this to this project but there's a common misconception I think about sort of a lot of the work you've done with Lynch where it's like people think of Lynch as maybe like a he's a spooky dude or he's a sweet dude um you know or sort of like have their, these differing perceptions of him but I really think and I feel like I've heard you discuss this in interviews Dean that that what compels that work and what creates such resonance in like a Lynch project for instance say Twin Peaks season 3 I think probably one of my all-time, easily the most cosmic thing I've ever seen on television. Um, But he'll play with these moments where something is really, really beautiful and and really, really ominous or very scary, but also sort of um, evoking a, a kind of sense of wonder that you can't put your finger on, you know? And one of the things I really like about this record is that 
aside from the sort of pure moods 90s like you know uh rave new wave new age kind of like vibes that you're playing with at times you know or the cocteau twins or any of the cool references that we could reference what you both bring to this is like a real sense of that heaviness and lightness right like gloria i think a lot of the lyrics like i mean you open with this herman hess kind of like evocation and you're talking about strange to wander in the fog life is loneliness nobody knows the other everyone is alone and that's a translation of the german you know and it's like wow like i mean obviously (laughs) that's a heavy concept right and there is a lot of heaviness on this record but i love that like and and then ashore uh, on the cosmic sea, uh, ashore of the co- cosmic sea, you say that you like you're gonna search for truth no matter where it leads you. Is the is the a paraphrase of that lyric? And I felt like to me that sort of willingness to risk like uh, a sense of emptiness or ominousness or or loss or longing and then pairing that with these ultra lush romantic sounds you know it creates that i guess all i'm trying to to say is that what my favorite thing about this record is the way it creates that third thing right where it's like these elements are combining and it allows you access to this space that is feels like it's outside of time uh, in terms of what it is that you're creating. And I wonder what it's like for the two of you to interact with that and, and really what sense you have of that, uh, uh, of gaining access to this essentially strange state of kind of whatever, however you would describe it, cosmic uh, cosmic awareness, <laughs> you know? Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, Gloria, I'll let you answer that. But first I want to say, Jason, it sounds like you did an incredible amount of homework. You actually listened to it. You actually looked for a German translation. And I I mean, I really want to thank you and think that's amazing in this sort of contemporary world where things are cursory listens and stuff like that. Like it's 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 amazing that you're um putting that time in to actually listen and and and, and look with a magnifying glass like what what these things are, you know. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I just, when I hear, yeah, it's not, it's easy to do with a record like this for me, genuinely. You know what I mean? Because I just, I love, it is, it feels like a thing you can wander into. So, yeah, that, that, that to me is that kind of space rewards that kind of um, closer look, you know what I mean? And that is, that's what I, that's what I look for in records, you know, that's what I, it's why I, it's why I like doing this, you know what I mean? Gloria, do you want to do you want to answer that in terms of like the the extremities and of like the yes. subject matter? Um, I'm so happy how you described this, Jason, because this is my this was my main objective um, to be as truthful and honest as I can be, um, emotionally honest, without perpetuating misery, so to speak, um, to find this third space. Um, You know, it reminds me, I read this interview with Enya once where she said, only time is her only breakup song. And I mean, the song went on to have its own story with 9-11 and stuff. But um, even before that, I thought that was such an interesting thought. If this is her breakup song and this, I don't know where I'm going with this, but um, it's hard to describe. I wanted to find this space where you, even if it if it doesn't 
it's not not necessarily hopeful, but it keeps you suspended, maybe even when things seem very difficult. Um, it's funny the Hermann Hesse translation because in German it's it's super difficult to translate German poetry because um, English is so much more direct and simple, and the poem in English sounds like really emo. <laughs> 90s life journal poetry uh. <laughs> um but it's great that first sent that the the first verse strange to wonder in the fog it's something ever since i read that poem um as a child it keeps popping up in many life situations and I'm, I'm like man strange to wonder in the fog um but it's not a it's not a it's not a sad poem at least it doesn't read sad to me in german it's just strange to wonder in, in the fog and we might be lonely, but it's not—it's not a death sentence, so to speak. And yeah. I wanted to touch upon one thing that Dean said about the, what what touched you as a child, um, and finding inspiration in that, and wanting to repeat that. It reminds me, of course, there's—I mean, there's a reference to um, Chris McCann there as well, um, with the beginning of his film, where there's a there's a title card that says this is a film about a man marked by an image from his childhood. Um, I don't, I'm not of the opinion that I think a lot of people believe that childhood is the space where you get formed and everything you do as an adult is a hundred percent informed by your childhood. I don't think that I think we keep, even as adults, we, we can still mold ourselves and have, um, and, um, not just reference the past, but it's it's funny. It's certainly it's that feeling of um, of time folding, like you said. It's just referencing what was said earlier. No, no, I I I really do understand what you mean. I think you know, like if I know you cite you know you cited Kierkegaard as like a as a as a reference too, you know, and I, and I um I don't I don't pretend to be particularly you know familiar with with the work but I, I do think of like the thing you're talking about childhood part of what made me feel so uh attracted i think to the to the promo uh videos that you made for this the sort of uh i also called the hotline by the way and i made it through the all the prompts uh i went <laughs> i went i went all the way through a pound sign or seven pound sign um <laughs> and i tried to reach a representative from the from the cosmic network and was unfortunately i was unfortunately unable to but i did think it was great for listeners i i'll start this episode with a little like me calling it or whatever um but um but yeah like i loved that part of the reason why i liked watching those commercials that evoked those pure moods clips from from the 90s was i realized like yeah i remember seeing those commercials as a as a young kid and uh, that wasn't the kind of music that my parents brought into the house per se right so it's not like there was a lot of enya records un unfortunately for me um but i do remember seeing those commercials and you see the unicorn and you see all this stuff it's like a, it, it's fairly fantastical and uh 
I remember feeling kind of moved by those as a kid, like sort of being like, well, this is interesting. Like, what is this stuff? What kind of music is this? Like, I don't 100% know. I think I had an uncle who had some like Enigma uh, tapes, maybe. So I got to hear some of that stuff and was like, okay, cool. But, um, but when I, so I went back and I rewatched some of those commercials. And of course, I didn't even remember that uh, there's a song from Fire Walk With Me, I think, on one of those pure moods and so and i didn't remember that either and it was a total backdrop to my upbringing and seeing it on i don't know i guess they probably ran it in infinitum and like on vh1 or whatever oh yeah but i and i was explaining to gloria because i think she kind of she forwarded me the pure moods clip one day and she said i just discovered this and i was just like this is yeah this is like i mean this again it's like background wallpaper to to me growing up over here you know yeah and um but that's the weirdest thing is like again like the the fascination with like revisiting things that that have been mainstays or just there your whole life and it's very representative of like our plight as humans on this planet it's like we're just walking forward constantly as as time unfolds and we're having experiences but then as each new experience unfolds it gives us a different understanding of the of the ones before the yeah. in the childhood before us and it's like this weird cascading evolutionary thing i think we think of a lot of things in time in terms of a straight linear line but it just seems like way more complex and but yeah the whole i was kind of blown away too because i didn't realize that that there was the fire walk with me uh, cut on that. And I was just like, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Like, um, uh, I, I mean, uh, just to open up a can of worms here about the whole Lynch connection. It's like, I mean, uh, that, that, like that whole relationship and my working relationship with him and, you know, our continued relationship is like so deeply meaningful for me. It's like mm-hmm. such a, I mean, he's like, I've gotten to know him so well. We have so many shared experiences together. He's informed me, uh, you know, in all my like decision makings in, in both music and film. And, you know, Gloria pointed out like early on, cause, cause I, I was 25 when I started working there and she said, you know, that's still pretty young developmentally, you know, like, you know, the, like how much that informed and shaped me. Um, it, it's, it's, like a it's a heavy thing and um but like his whole thing like you were mentioning earlier that the extremities of like the 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 deeply sort of um ec- ecstatic beauty and and then the, the the sort of darkness on the other spectrum and somehow the intermix intermingling of that stuff um it speaks to so many people because that's like the human experience you yeah. know and yeah and few people kind of can kind of like portray that that whole enchilada you know like like him and and a few others have you know um so that's all like that's been a just a giant mark on how i do things and and honestly doing this record was like i've been doing a lot of um ambient solo stuff and on like since i live so far from david now like i was honestly just craving having this the type of collaboration that i did with him you know um 
So, and that was another reason that, you know, I wanted to work with a, with a songwriter like Gloria to just get back into the feelings that he nurtured in me, you know? And, um, and then the other cool thing is just like to kind of round out and cap the whole album. Like we, we talk often and I just saw him when I was out in LA again. And, um, but like, as this record came to a close or whatever, um, he's always asking me what I'm working on. I sent him a copy of the record, like the sequence that Gloria and I had sort of figured out. And, and I said, you know, I, I don't know what we should use as a single. Like, I would love your your take on this. So he, uh, in classic form, you can never ask somebody like him to do something specific for you and then expect <laughs> it to be done in a, in a sensible way. So uh, instead of, he never told me a single idea. He just resequenced the whole album and he sent it back to me and he said, I think this sequence works better for you. And, and at first I was like, uh, okay, like I had mastered the album, you know, and, uh. <laughs> um, and there was a flow to it. And, but I listened to it, I sent it to Gloria and I was like, it changed the whole thing. And, uh, you know, the, the, the vibe of it, I mean, admittedly, like I had, when we were talking about it, her and I, you know, you, you admittedly in this modern contemporary culture, you want to stack BPM elements up front, just sort uh -huh. of like yeah attract yeah. people's listening because the, the the fear is like oh well if it's not captivating up front maybe people won't stick around for the listen or whatever in this you know uh playlist world of horrorscape that we live in you know so but like the sequence he did like the thing that that struck me is so so interesting is the the it was so austere it was so like confident. It seemed very him the way he stacked it. You know, you, you talked about the opening, one of the opening tracks with the with the poem and the fog is a very, very sort of David way to start something, you know, and we had that buried, you know, deeper into the track listing. <laughs> it, it was a totally whole new presentation. It blew my mind. It blew Caleb's mind at Sacred Bones a little bit. Um, and honestly, I felt like that's perfect. Like, I mean, it, it's again, it's like uh, it represents sort of his involvement and and how his perspective has shaped me. And, and I think it, it was kind of like a cool badge to kind of move forward with is like, well, gee, you know, my old boss thinks it's better this way. And, he, you know, it's like just the, the curatorial like perspective on it just reshaped it. And I thought that was just really like enlightening to me like how that worked you know Putting your music up online is not always the easiest thing in the world to figure out, but DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and as an artist, you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music into Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all the major streaming services. You can use it to edit your lyrics and your song credits. So important in the internet age to let people know the kind of people you're collaborating with. And uh, DistroKid makes that 
easy. You can also see all your stats from the streamers and, of course, add a credit card to purchase album extras. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. Go to the app or Play Store to download it. Gloria, what did you think? Were you hesitant about anything? No, I thought it was amazing because it was so bold opening with Imnebel, which, like Dean said, we had buried it somewhere. Um, and because I feel like most of the time when you send someone the sequencing, for example, they'll be very well-meaning and reply with, I think this is your hit, you need to put it in the beginning. Um, so I was surprised that someone encouraged us to forget forget about these things and um, honor the album as a, as a piece of art to be listened to from beginning to end that tells a story that has a narrative unfolding and not like just a collection of songs that you hope people won't skip too fast right. on their streaming service. So I love that angle, that it wasn't this strategic, um, pseudo-strategic angle, but encouraging us to be very confident with the songs. Yeah, I think that confidence is part of, for me, what elevates this record in terms of yeah because like some of the sing like the singles on their own uh work very very well in that like I it's such a funny thing to have to consider right like how your music is going to be consumed on these platforms that let's be frank like it's not like these streaming platforms are designed to enhance the kind of timeless world building that we're talking about like they're 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 designed unfortunately to just get done with this and get on to another thing and just, you know, and that's no, no, there's no sense in like lingering too long on that thought, you know, because it just is what it is. Right. But I also think about how these platforms are, they are open-ended in a certain way too. Right. So like, uh, they can reward the kind of listening that, that we're talking about if that's the way the user chooses to use them. So, I think that like uh, it's first off it's hilarious that you got a resequencing when you asked for help with a single. <laughs> Dramatic resequencing. Yeah. It wasn't just like swap <laughs> this for this. <laughs> I mean, and I love that and I think about how how funny that is and 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 you know, but I also am am really moved by it because as I mentioned, uh, you know, as far as Twin Peaks season 3 goes, I guess 2017 really was sort of the I, I don't want to be too over you know weird about it but definitely <laughs> but it definitely was i think uh, when we think about sort of like terms of like I these epochal shifts or whatever like it's kind of hard to to not feel like 2016 into 2017 was sort of uh whatever the start or the turn of whatever it is that we're in now and it's only gotten subsequently weirder but for Twin Peaks, the return to have come out in 2017, and five years later, five years later, it like the 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 idea of slipping outside of time uh, feels even more resonant to me, you know. And a record like this record sinks into that too, and becomes a part of the way I think the kind of music that you're playing with here. There's a lot of things that are happening in terms of the aesthetic. Um, choices that are made. I've referenced, obviously, you know, Cocteau Twins, and obviously it's easy to hear 
references to the late Julie Cruz, you know, which is obviously a monumental figure in this whole thing that we're talking about. But I also obviously thought a lot about All Flowers in Time being, as you describe in the bio, I won't crib any insight uh, or claim any insight on this, but really a song that is like evocative of a story of a connection through time and creators and artists who are interacting with each other. For listeners who don't know, it's an Elizabeth Fraser and Jeff Buckley song. Uh, Elizabeth Fraser obviously sang this incredible version of uh, Tim Buckley's song, Song for the Siren, uh, which became a huge Lynch touchstone as well. Uh, I well, let, me, let me interrupt. And oh, say, no, please do. Yeah. Please yeah, interrupt. Like, me. <laughs> I mean, that touchstone has always fascinated me. And this is like, um, I mean, it applies to so many different artists and just the whole musical, you know art form is the fact that um you know oh, like the, you mentioned julie cruz and her that whole thing was blossomed out of a single song mm -hmm. you know like david wanted that song specifically for blue velvet and it, it was turned down so he had to come up with an original song to fulfill the same feeling. And at that time, that song was like the only, that was the only source of that, like your favorite word, cosmic, you know, sort of element that sort of delivered on that whole thing. And it itself was a cover. And it was like a, a unique paradigm shift. I mean, none of the other stuff they, they, that the Cocteau Twins proper did really sounds like that one song, you know? And right, right. so David was obsessed with it, and the obsession le kind of leads to this sort of uncovering or scratching his own destiny and un unfolding his own destiny because he can't, he can't have it, and he's forced hand to do something else. And that, to me, is like... So, like, there's, like, so much truth and you know like like substance to learn from in that moment you know and so it should be so encouraging for anybody else that like you know being you know just finding your path it's a it's a very weird surreptitious like winding path to find what you're actually truly meant to where you're truly meant to be what you're truly meant to do you may have one idea like this this scene can't work without this song you know but then you know, this would have never happened if this, that, that, and the other thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's such an incredible song, uh, All Flowers in Time, you know? And I, I found, like, I thought that you, you two did a beautiful job of, of, of making it your own, in a way, and bringing out a quality to it that is very unique to the two of you while still honoring just sort of the transcendent quality of that demo, which, so it was never officially released. Um, you can hear it on YouTube. And I <laughs> listened to it a few times to get ready for this interview and read some of the YouTube comments on the demo. And it's, it's so funny because we often, like YouTube comments are like a shorthand for like all the vile and like sad you know, depravity of hum humanity. But just like I was talking about streaming services, if you go looking for something else, you'll probably find that. And 
all the comments on that page are like, there was one person who just simply said, you know, I was just on the verge of giving up on everything and I heard this and, and all of a sudden there's another reason to continue on. And I was like, whoa, but it's also a heavy song because there's a lot of intense feelings, you know, about it even existing out in the world. Um, Liz Fraser had has said in the past, at least, that it wasn't finished. It wasn't a thing that was necessarily intended for people to hear. I wonder if you thought or had conversations about that, you know, before doing what I believe is an incredible thing of of making a, a new version of it, something that's very much worth it. But what kind of conversations went into it? Yeah, a lot, lot of conversation because Glory was very, you know you can you can speak for yourself but you were were very you know you're very trepidatious about the whole thing and even going there because of you knew the whole history and sort of schooled me on it um yeah when he first suggested it was like whoa that's a bold choice um to go with this song of all songs because it even existing in the world is already um, controversial, right? And and I knew it from that. Um, I know all those YouTube comments, and even before it was uploaded on YouTube, when it was floating around on the internet, it was always treated as this sacred thing um, that stood also stood for the whole legend um, of the love story between between them, and. Um, I don't know. I think at some point after just after Dean encouraging me and just not being as scared as I was, I think I just tried it and tried to look for to try and forget the history of it and forget, you know, when you listen to it and see that picture of the two of them, even the YouTube thumbnail, that black and white picture of the two of them, you kind of imagine the two of them being in the studio and all that. It's it's very hard to strip strip away all that. Um, but I tried. And what we discovered is that there's such a such a sweet and hopeful sentiment to the song, or it can be read into the song at least. And I hope we didn't offend anybody too much or hurt anybody's feelings too much but um yeah i i i struggled with it right because i thought to myself uh that i also hope you didn't hurt anybody's feelings but i also think that <laughs> to some degree <laughs> this sounds so presumptuous and so shitty and wrong but i i guess i just have to say it like i heard the i listened to that that demo and, and i was just like I know that she doesn't want it to exist, but it's better for it to be out there for people to engage with because it's just too beautiful. It's too, like, sometimes artists, you know, their art can mean so much to them and they can have such a particular relationship with it and you can't begrudge that and you can't strip that away. But at the same time, it's like, every artist probably primordially wants to hold on to their thing and not have to let it go out into the universe. Um, but you know, when you do, it can create that kind of chain that you were talking about, Dean, with like the, the Buckley connection and, and this, like this, these people who are each geniuses and each like kind of 
in touch with this cosmic sense of the beyond, you know, but for them to connect over the course of decades, essentially, you know, and not ever really have those direct i mean that's what that's why recorded music is such a miracle thing right you know and it's like part of the reason why i get nervous about streaming sites and stuff is because it treats it flattens some of that a little bit and and i think makes people feel like this is a less sacred commodity because it's so accessible and because there's so much of it and because it can be so easily dismissed but when you think about what that what it could mean, which is that decades later, somebody's connecting to a piece of work that you did and or saving somebody's life and saving you know? someone's life. Exactly. I mean, that's yeah. like a, that's not, that's something that like it, when, when we, yeah, it, to even have the chance to sit down and dig into this stuff and think about these ideas is such a like hopeful and life giving kind of process, I think. Um, and so that's really what I love about this record. That's really what I love about this, like that I'm going to go looking for the truth no matter what. And I want to circle back to that, Gloria, because I really loved that, what you were talking about, which is that like, you know, nobody knows the other, everyone is alone, is uh, to go back to that Herman Hess thing. Like you said, it, it, maybe English lacks a kind of like uh, ambiguity in the term, in like those words that creates space to feel, you know, a sense of if you if you can find some, it, it's just like one of those undeniable truths, right? Like we are all alone and we are all connected. It's both, you know. But um, music that creates a space for those paradoxes and contradictions to be examined and sort of luxuriated in is to me uh, a really helpful thing to have and this record really qualifies as that and it was uh, it was just beyond fun to speak with the two of you about it yeah. thank you so much it was a, it was a pleasure um, I, I really like hearing uh, how your mind works you know <laughs> <laughs> do you so do I mean before before we wrap up have you talked about doing live versions of this have you thought about what that would look like or, or be like yeah we have um, and I mean largely it's like I mean Gloria's going to perform and stuff and we've been kind of talking about potentially meeting meeting up at some point if if paths aligned to be able to do something together but i think there'll be probably a lot of her trying to to do solo versions of this when you when you are doing your various performances right yes that'll be cool that'll be cool have you been have i mean did you have to go back and like kind of like dig into the songs in a different way in order to consider how you might perform them on a live level or 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 how what's yeah. that what's that process been like um it's sort of like that's that's always the case yeah probably I, I i do remember doing that with david once like for an old record you know that we had where he was like kind of entertaining the idea of playing live and uh me being sort of quite terrified and frightened because you have to go into the session and realize okay there's there's two of us like do we need to enlist other people to play all these other studio creations and like what how does this work and with with Gloria and I's record it's like you know there's uh, all of it is so um you know a lot of the the elements are are sort of abstracted things that aren't just like oh this is you know 
this is a rolling synth with this patch, you know, just bing, bang, boom. You just go ahead and do that. But it's more like figuring out the sounds and how to reclaim the sounds because I think it's important to kind of like bring the, the the sonic sort of fingerprint of it all. And so we did that. We did that a lot for for a lot of the songs. And I passed some stuff to her and everything. And she's still in her laboratory working out things about how that would work. <laughs> but um, it's totally possible. It's very possible. Right, Gloria? Yes. <laughs> no, that's always, it's always a little bit of a headache um, with music like this that you then have to, it's a, com you have to, like you say, you have to go into all of the songs again and rethink them and uh, prioritize what it is that you want to bring across live. Um, yeah. It's always a little bit of a headache. It, sometimes it makes me just want to play the lute and sing and record that as well. <laughs> just have it be really simple and no choices made. Yeah, I do respect yeah. and understand why why some artists do that, where they have their their studio albums, and then when they go on the road, it's just them and a lute. You know, like it makes sense now because it's a different environment, it's a different thing, and. Um, it, yeah, it's like it's totally valid, you know, and sometimes quite interesting. You know, you mentioned Annie Lennox, like that or her song at the end of um, Dracula. And I remember seeing her uh, in a living room concert scenario where it was just like probably 50 people and she was playing or it might have been a pianist. I can't remember if she was playing or not, but it was just her and a, and a piano and hearing all those songs like incredibly fascinating to hear stripped down versions and elemental uh performances of things because then you it's the the process and the and the the song whatever that entity is is revealed and it's like wow you know you, so many like discoveries and mind-blowing things like wow the melody of record it's it's when it's simple it's 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 super mysterious you know it's funny. It's kind of like I've seen Bob Dylan, you know, a handful of times, and he's like one of these. Yeah, he's one of these performers who has very little regard. To very little help. regard. Yeah, for like he, this is where the song, like, it becomes the song. You're listening to him do whatever, you know, just like a woman, and all of a sudden you realize it's just like a woman. You didn't. He's been right. playing it for three minutes, and then you're like, oh wow. Because for him, it's just, I, I think that creative energy that you're talking about, that I think this record has a lot of that, is just sort of pure, like, you're forcing it into existence in a weird way. Like, when I see Bob Dylan reinterpret and unwrap and find a completely different path into a song, you know, it's like kind of a cool reminder that they can be these sort of weird little living things that you have to contend with as much as they have to contend with you, you know? So it's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I imagine, I imagine from like somebody like his perspective, the contention is, is it, they have to keep it uh, evolving and make it feel interesting for themselves because it's not interesting for them to recreate. It's only interesting to discover, you know? Yeah, big and, time. And I, I understand that. I mean, the, the whole takeaway, a lot of this conversation is just like there's so many different perspectives and paths with souls walking on earth and you know there's so many different perspectives and it's mind-blowing 
Yeah, and that sense of plurality is what we're all after, which is like I said, you know, everybody's together, but everybody's connected as well. So you want, I think we, yeah, I think that that's really the t- the more, especially the more I engage with this, with whatever spiritual concepts, far out music, however you want to put it, <laughs> it's all sort of fueling the same thing for me, the same conversation, and I really do think that like. I like when music helps in instructing how to let things be two things at once or three things at once or f- whatever, you know, infinite things all at once because that is really a it's a helpful it's a helpful thing and music is one of the few spaces I think that we get to more or less effortlessly effortlessly enter into that space at times, you know. Sometimes a song takes you and you don't even think about what's the profound thing happening and that definitely happened for me over the course of listening to this record so yeah thank you both thank you thank you it's, it's a cool work and i hope everybody calls the number we'll include a little plug so they can listen through the the um the automated system and check out all the awesome videos and promo clips and like i said it's really you created a f- whole fun world to explore so thanks so much for doing that and thanks so much for taking the time to join us here on transmissions Thank you. Big fan of Transmissions, and thanks for having us. Thank you so much for listening and the kind words about the record. Dean Hurley and Gloria de Oliveira here on Transmissions. You can get your copy of Oceans in Time this week from Sacred Bones Records. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate your listen. A reminder, of course, you can support the podcast by checking out Aquarium Drunkard on Patreon. And if you can't do that, then you can just leave a, a rating or a review. That helps as well. Uh, spread the word. Just tell people about the show, If especially if you have a, an episode that you really dig. Just send somebody an email and say, you should check this out. Um, word of mouth is very crucial to the show, and we appreciate everybody chipping in. Transmissions is a proud part of the TalkHouse Podcast Network. I am Jason Woodbury. I write, host, and produce the show. Our audio is edited by Andrew Horton. Daryl Norson does visual design for the program, and our show's executive producer is Justin Gage, Aquarium Drunkard founder. Don't miss his weekly Aquarium Drunkard show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. PST on Sirius XMU. Rate, review, subscribe, and spread the word. Next week on the show, we will be back with another all-new episode featuring Daryl Black Eagle Jameson and Jonathan Gott joining me to discuss the wild and very compelling cross-cultural exchange that is their album as Medicine Singers. I hope you will join us. This transmission is concluded. Wow.